Welcome to the Action Podcast with me, Nick, APD. And me, Kim Gornick. On this podcast, we dive into all things pop culture from past and present. Nothing is out of bounds, so plug in your earphones and get ready for another episode of APC. And let's see if Nick and I can actually agree on something. Unlikely. Hello and welcome to part two of Court in a Celluloid Jam, a continuation of our Rocky Horror special we did for Halloween. In this episode, we are going to be taking a look at the sort of sequel to Rocky Horror and the remake of Rocky Horror. It's unfortunate we have to go over that, but hey, I'm sure we'll find some positives and maybe I'll chuck a couple other bits in there. I'm Nick APD. I hope everyone out there is well. Kim, how are you? I'm all right, thanks. Just braved the storm that's up here, Storm Babette, that has been uh, hammering us for the last four days. Of course, yeah. Now, that's been horrible. I should probably say as well, for anyone listening, this will go out uh, a couple of weeks' time from when we've recorded it, so... I'm sure the storm has passed by that point. So if you're listening and wondering, this is a pre-record, but um, feel free to join in in the chat because this will be a live premiere and there will also be an after show stream where we can take questions. We may have some guests on and we'll see where we go. But I think what we should probably do is to get straight into it is we should crack on and what I'm going to be talking about for the first part of this evening is a film called Shock Treatment. Now, Kim, before we started researching this, were you aware that there was a sequel of sorts to the Rocky Horror Picture Show? No. No idea. You and so Never many heard of other it. people. It is a it's a sequel of sorts. Now when I say a sequel, when you research this online, lots of people go, well, it's not a true sequel. It's sort of set in the same universe or maybe a parallel version of the universe Rocky Horror was set in. However, it does feature and focus on the characters of Brad and Janet Majors, who are our main, well, they're not our main stars, but they're a big part of the previous film. And, yeah, this time round, they have actually, you'll notice that they've both got the surname Majors because they're now married. They've been married for several years. In the previous film, it was Brad Majors and Janet Weiss, but Janet has now become a Majors. The actors have been replaced this time round. We've actually got a lady called Jessica Harper playing Janet, and we've got a chap called Cliff Young playing Brad Majors. But what is interesting about this guy playing Brad is he would have been the original choice. He was who they asked initially for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but he turned the role down. Oh, wow. So ultimately, he did end up playing Brad. They're very different to Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick. And that's the first jarring thing I found about the film. But to give a little bit more on the cast, you've still got Richard O'Brien in there. He's now playing a ca- character called Dr. Cosmo McKinley. 
and Patricia Quinn, who's playing Dr. Nation McKinley, still brother and sister, like they were in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Different characters. A few people have come up with a theory that perhaps they are Riff Raff and Magenta, but that's just speculation. They are still a very incestuous brother and sister, so there's still a, a bit of that spookiness going on with all the closeness and that, which is a bit creepy. Charles Gray returns. Uh, Charles Gray played the criminologist in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the criminologist or the narrator, however you wish to look at it. Uh, this time round, we've got Betty Hapshat playing a more prominent role in the film. She was previously Betty Munro in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. She was the character who got married to Ralph Hapshat at the beginning. Um, and she is played by Ruby Wax. So I'm sure those of you out there know who Ruby Wax is. Kim, are you aware of who Ruby Wax is? I think you you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's surprising. It's really, it, yeah, it's, it, it's really, really strange. And I, I'm sure Ruby Wax is a fantastic actress. We'll go into this in a bit. I, I'm not too into it. But Little Nell Campbell returns as Nurse Anne Slong. Ansalong, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, Nell Campbell, or Little Nell, she played Columbia in the previous film, so she's back. If anything, the main thing she's providing in it is a skimpy nurse's outfit and shots of her bum in tight pants because, you know, she doesn't do an awful lot in the film. Um, another interesting addition to the film is Rick Mel. He plays a character called Rest Home Ricky. He doesn't do a lot in the film. In fact, they wasted him. They had a fantastic actor in Rick Mel, uh, the late Rick Mel, should I say, because he's since passed. He actually passed the day before my son was born. So we're going back probably nine and a half years ago. Barry Humphreys is in this film now, playing a character called Bert Schnick. Now, Kim, when I say Barry Humphreys to you, do you know who Barry Humphreys is most famous for playing? No, but I recognize the name. You will recognise the name. Barry Humphreys has sim has recently passed away, but Barry Humphreys is famous for playing Dame Edna Ebridge. Ah. Yeah, so we've we've got Barry in there. He's playing Bert Schnicht, who is <clears throat> he he plays a blind man, sort of a doc no, he's not a doctor. I'm gonna say now. If I sound confused describing it, I'm going to go into a brief synopsis of the film in a moment. If I sound confused at any point about this film and what's going on, there's a simple reason for that. It's because I am. It's one of the hardest to follow films I've ever watched. I've never watched a film before where I had to immediately jump on Wikipedia, read about the film, and then go on YouTube to hope someone had made a film or video about it to give me an idea of what the hell I just watched. Richard O'Brien even said that he admits it's a confusing film. Fortunately, there were some kind people on YouTube who have done... Uh, little documentaries about it so i've sort of filled the gaps maybe i'm thick but i don't think i'm thick because richard o'brien has said it's confusing and lots of people do share the same view as me it takes several watches to get a full grasp of it however one watch is hard enough so several is asking a lot back to the cast though 
Um, Janet's mother pops up in this film played by a character called Darlene Johnson. Her dad is in this film, Harry Weiss, played by a chap called Manning Redwood. And that's the main cast, I would say. Kim, would you like me to give you the synopsis I pulled from IMDb to give you? I've I've taken... Normally, I like to write my own synopsis, but I was so bloody confused. I just had hands up. I've taken this straight off of IMDb. Yeah, I think if you're confused, then maybe IMDb is the way to go. Yeah. So forgive me because my reading aloud is not the best. But following on from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, this musical is set several years later in Brad and Janet Major's hometown of Denton, which has become a giant TV station. Residents are either participants or viewers. Brad and Janet have been married for several years now, but their romance has slouched and slumped. Ostensibly, to fix their marriage, Brad is imprisoned. On the program, Dentonville, the local mental hospital. While Janet is conscripted to become a new star, as Janet is entranced by the high life, she forgets Brad, who is trying to woo her away. Does that sound as confusing as the film was for me? Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Okay, so... Some important facts about this film. This film was all filmed inside a studio. And the reason for that is because there was a writer's strike at the time. So okay. from what I gather, they had to keep it in a studio to keep it low key. I could be wrong on that. Maybe there's some other reason. But that's that's where I, where I came from. Other things which caused, well, it didn't cause issues was... Richard O'Brien really wanted to get the cast back from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Tim Curry wasn't interested. Um, Susan Sarandon wasn't interested. Barry Bostwick wasn't interested. So he was lucky that Little Nell came back. He was lucky to have Patricia Quinn. Obviously, he himself was there. I'm not sure if I mentioned it when I was going through the cast before, but it was directed by Jim Sharman. It was written by Jim Sharman and Richard O'Brien. So the same team have come back from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Again, produced by Lou Adler, 20th Century Fox. And the actual release date, sorry if I've already said this and I'm repeating myself, was October 30th, 1981. And it actually had a, a higher budget than Rocky Horror Picture Show at 3.5 million. So it's they, they certainly had a bit more money for it. Now, the problem with it going on through the writer's strike as well and with having the previous cast not wanting to return is Richard O'Brien, I believe, had initially came up with an idea of a sequel, a direct sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show called Rocky Horror Shows as Hills. Now, the idea of that was going to be that somehow Rocky had survived being shot to bits by the laser at the end of the well, he wasn't shot to bits, was he? Let's be fair. Um, he was shot and killed at the end of the film, as was Frank and Furter by Riff Raff and Magenta, because they were returning to transsexual Transylvania. The idea is, is that Rocky somehow survived that, which is plausible because unlike the rest of the characters, I don't know if you recall Kim, he took a hell of a lot more shots off that laser before he before he went down. And of course he's a creation, so he may be stronger. But the idea was going to be that Rocky had saved Frank's body. 
And for some reason, Dr. Scott was now helping Rocky to resurrect Frankenfurter. And they resurrect him. But to keep him alive, he needs the blood of virgins or he's basically going to die, turn to goo, whatever, melt. The, the, the process of keeping him alive, they've botched it. <laughs> I see you laughing there. Although I will say this already sounds better than shock treatment, I've got to say. But also in Rocky Horror Shows His Heels, uh, Janet Wise would to, was going to be pregnant with the baby of either Rocky or Frank, but they didn't know. Because in Rocky Horror, well, I, I don't want to say this, but, you know, Janet does sleep with both guys and the thing. And we both know from having watched Rocky Horror that whenever Janet appears on screen, people shout slut because she, maybe that's harsh to call someone for sleeping with multiple people. It is harsh, but that's the character she becomes anyway brad will have left janet in this proposed sequel that never happened and will have become entangled in experimenting in a gay lifestyle i presumably because of his encounter with frankenfurter in the first film and I could be getting mixed now because there's there were a couple of proposed sequels. So if I am getting mixed, I apologize to anyone watching this if you know more than me. But in one of the proposed sequels, I believe it was this one, basically, Rock, not Rocky, sorry. Frank's mum is dying. She's the queen of transsexual Transylvania. She says to Riff Raff, where's my son? I need him back to rule the planet. Obviously, she doesn't know Frank is dead. So Riff Raff goes back to Earth. And it all culminates in another showdown and Frank dies again. Now, there's a lot of backplot to a film that never happened. And we're talking about shock treatment. But this, I feel, is important because some of the songs in this film don't make an awful lot of sense. And there is perhaps a very good reason. That being that Richard O'Brien kept the, the songs mostly unchanged from Rocky Horror Shows His Heels and plonked them into shock treatment. So, all, all, all that said, sorry, that, that's a lot of waffle, but I think that was important to say. So, are you confused yet, Kim? Yes, I'm confused. Yes, it sounds weird, but I'm sure you're going to enlighten us all as to... Why it's maybe not so weird, I don't know. I'm going to do my best, because you got to bear in mind, I've seen this film twice. Once about 15 years ago, me and Carla watched it and very much were like, we didn't enjoy this. And once for this podcast. Now, typically, I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show three times for this podcast, having seen it however many hundred times before. In the previous podcast, I could have chatted for hours about it, as as I said, but I had to draw a line on it because we have a certain time frame. Talking. This film, not so easy to follow. Now, in the film, <clears throat> the, 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 the little throwbacks to Rocky Horror um, on a previous slide you showed, there was the Denton sign. Now, that's a sort of flashy sign 
a flashy version of the sign that you see at the start of Rocky Horror Picture Show when they're at the church. And so you're certainly made aware that this is in Denton. One thing which is interesting is it's basically all reality TV. The whole town of Denton seemed to live in this TV studio and they're consumed by they're absolutely consumed by what they're seeing so did richard o'brien predict reality tv especially as we're in the the age where we've got big brother coming back again and all the reality shows there's been this film is not it's not dark like rocky horror and the songs in it the songs i would say the songs are actually they're very catchy but catchy in an annoying way you know like when you listen to an advert and you get that song stuck in your head all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I did listen to the soundtrack once after watching it. Purely research reasons. And believe me, it purely was research reasons. And I just found for the next three or four days, well, this this channel wasn't monetized, so I say it, because I don't know if this class is a singing, but I was just going around going, ooh, you need a bit of... Ooh, shark treatment. Uh, and that's like literally was just in my head <laughs> for ages. But back a bit more into the plot of the film. So Brad and Janet, they're sat in the audience at the beginning and a producer comes up and speaks to them. Betty Hapshack works on the TV show and she's with this judge chap who was Charles Gray, who was previously the criminologist. And they pull them from the audience to star in this show. And it's like one of these wedding shows where they talk about their marriage. And I I think I picked up that they're unhappy. I believe Jad's... Jad? Teeth back in, Nick. I believe Brad has lost his job. Janet is reasonably successful. And... Yeah, they end up at that point then singing a song about kitchen appliances. I kid you not. The, yeah, the, yeah the, the song that I see your face, Kim. <laughs> I see your face. <laughs> they sing a song about kitchen appliances and relating it to life. Very bizarre. Very bizarre. Now, the other thing that's important to note about the music in this film is in in rocky horror the songs are very inspired by 1950s rock these film uh, these songs in this film have absolutely caught the 80s bug they're very 80s but you've got janet singing about a toaster um, uh, or brad singing about they well i don't know who sings about what but they sing about kitchen appliances and they basically agree to commit brad to the in-studio insane asylum called Dentonville to treat him. And interestingly, although the film's called Shock Treatment, he never actually has shock treatment. That's one thing that Richard Richard O'Brien, I believe, has said as well. We did a film called Shock Treatment, and the main character never had shock treatment, which you would think he would have done. Yeah, it's... Bear with me, we're getting through this. And there is a character in the film called Farley Flavors, who is also played by Clifton Young. You might see where we're going here with this crazy plot twist. It's Brad's twin brother separated at birth. 
they were orphans and they were adopted to different families. Brad ended up being adopted. I see you laughing there. <laughs> Brad ended up being adopted to a rich family, whereas Farley Flavors has been adopted by a poor family. And what this film all boils down to is a revenge plot because Farley, although massively successful with sponsoring the TV studio and now going into a mental health drug thing, whatever it is for Denton Vell, he wants to turn Janet into this, this rising star, this celebrity to make her the woman he likes, I believe to steal her away from Brad. And as several times in the film, Janet looks at Farley flavors and she doesn't once notice that, hang on, this guy looks incredibly like my husband. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So long and short of it, they find out that the Cosmo doc, uh, that the McKinley doctors, let me just get back to their names. Dr. Cosmo McKinley and Dr. Nation McKinley, who are brother and sister, are actually character actors. And it's Betty Hapshat and, oh, let me just double check his name, Judge Oliver Wright, played by Charles Gray. They're just character actors. They realize it's, it's all fake. And then a rock band who appear in the film. I'm sorry, I forget their name. Normally I'd be annoyed at myself not having it, but it's so confusing. Who cares? Um, they end up <laughs> rescuing Brad and escaping from the studio with the help of this rock band in a car that is in the studio, probably for a game show while the rest of Denton decide to be committed to Dentonville. And there's your story. <laughs> you look absolutely puzzled, Kim. I don't even know how this movie managed to get made. Dude, I don't know how this movie managed to get made. Are we sure they weren't just having... What, what year was it made? Oh, let me just double. I'm going to say 81. Yeah. Um, well, the release date was October 30th, 1981. So uh, through it, late 80 through early 81, I presume. I haven't got the exact production date, but that was the release date. Are we sure they weren't just having a horrendous coming down from being high during the 70s? Hmm. Now, interestingly, what I said to Carla, just like Carla is my Carla is my wife, um, what I was saying to Carla just last night when I was going through my notes and whatnot, I said, my one thought on this would be, now this podcast isn't set up to discuss what could have been a better sequel. It's just a thought, but this is a thought process I had, was if you can't have the original cast return for Brad and Janet and Tim Curry doesn't want to be involved because he was asked to be in shock treatment as well. And I believe he was actually asked to play Dr. Uh, sorry, not Dr. Birchnick, the guy who Barry Humphreys Dame Edna plays, but he still refused it. Um, I think, why didn't you capitalize on the idea that you got, Betty and Ralph Hapshat, who I must add also in this film are now divorced, but pretending to still be happily married. I forgot to add that. It's so confusing. Why not set the film around them? Because it wouldn't have mattered if you used different actors because they were in Rocky Horror so briefly. Do you see where I'm coming from with that? Why not put the story around them? Yeah. They're a newly married couple. 
set in the same universe. Anyway, that's 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 unimportant, but yeah. So what is also interesting about this is what they decided to do is rather than give this a broad general release like Rocky Horror had but died on its ass and then it found its momentum in the midnight showings and whatnot, they decided to release it as only midnight showings. What the studio were effectively trying to do was create an instant cult classic. But you can't create a cult classic. A film either becomes a... It either... Mm-hmm. If you make, I feel, if you try and make a film to make it a cult classic, you're going to fail. You, it is or it isn't. It becomes that or it doesn't. Yeah. Now, on the reverse of all of this, is they did actually, and I believe it was in, I'm going to check my notes here. Sorry to be flicking through notes for this. I believe it was around 2015. Oh, there's so many notes. I apologize. I think it was around 2015. However, we'll just go with that for now. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, Some chap approached Richard O'Brien and asked if he could turn the film of shock treatment into a stage show. So that's the complete reverse of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. See, Rocky Horror Picture Show, as we both know, and anyone who watched the previous episode, started as a stage show which was developed into a film Mm -hmm. so when you look at that to to my mind you you can't that's the it's been done before hasn't it let's be fair you've got films out there like there's been plenty of films turned into stage shows but yeah, it was, and it was 2015, but it was a guy called Benji Sperring, and apparently he was pursuing Richard O'Brien right the way from the mid-2000s to have the rights to turn this into a stage show. Um, from all the research I saw and read, Richard O'Brien actually helped to adapt and produce the show, but basically didn't get too involved. Now, there is actually a recording of the stage show version of this that someone's taken from a mobile phone on YouTube. It's reasonably watchable, to be fair. The difference being with the stage show is what they've done this time is it is a direct continuation of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Because in the film, they don't reference any of the events from Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's a few things in there, like you see the American Gothic picture, and there's a few props that show up as little nods and Easter eggs to the previous film. But as everyone says, or some people get upset when you call it a sequel, it's it's set in the. I've already been over this. It's not a, it's not a proper sequel. But the stage show is now. Having actually watched the stage show, they included some songs in the stage show that weren't used for the film that were from other unproduced Rocky Horror sequels. The stage show okay. actually works better. They've cleaned it up a little bit. Not cleaned up the humor or the smart or anything. They've. It makes a bit more sense to watch and follow, but it's still bloody mm-hmm. confusing. And I think the massive misstep to jump back to the film, I just wanted to mention that they 
did do a stage show because I'm sure some people would be wondering. Um, the the massive problem with the film is, again, I believe it all falls on trying to make this an instant cult classic and and wanting to hold on to that connection of Brad and Janet. How can... We're, we're in an age of film now where there's multiverses and everything. You know, Marvel's a bloody multiverse. Everything. You kill someone in one film, they come back in another, played by another actor, because it's the multiverse, which I think is quite lazy. Um, mm-hmm. So this was going on in the 80s. And I think there's that's part of the massive failure of this film. Now, there are people out there who love this film, and by love, I mean, my God, they're just as passionate and mad on this film as they are Rocky Horror. You're always going to get that. So there is a little bit of a cult following. But in my experience, and I can only talk from my experience, I haven't run a poll or anything. Most people I've spoke to weren't even aware of this film. And that's probably down to the fact that it wasn't brilliantly well received. It wasn't well marketed. And it didn't have the original cast. If I was to rate this film on a one to one out, you know, one to ten scale, one being terrible, ten being great, I'd give it maybe a four. And I'm being generous because although the songs are a bit odd, they they are catchy. I'm just going to run through the names of some of the songs to give you an idea. Denton, USA, Bitchin' in the Kitchen, which is the song where they're singing about the kitchen appliances we've got in my own way thank god i'm a man which is interesting because that's a song i believe i believe this is the song where janet's dad is in a very there's a scene in the film where janet goes back to her parents house once brad's committed and they basically reveal they never liked brad and then her dad comes in and he's upset to find out because Brad's not manly, but he's upset to find out from some new someone who he thought a child of one of his friends he plays golf with has come out as having had a gay fling with some Mexican guys. And he's very anti all this. And then he goes out and he sings this song while mowing a false lawn. And it's got all like the American I, I think if I recall, is there an American flag? But it's very American. And there's a line in it, which I'm not going to say on here because someone will get offended when it's a line from a song. It's not me saying it. So I'll just leave that. Go listen to the song. It's on Spotify. But yes, yeah, so Thank God I'm a Man, Farley's Song, Lullaby, Little Black Dress. Now, this song, Little Black Dress, is very catchy, but. I think they tried to make this song the new time warp. Because when I was listening to it with Carlos, I'd listen to this. This is the time warp. And it's got the same sort of beats to it. Anyone listening to this after the show, go and just listen to the song Little Black Dress and then listen to Time Warp. And you'll see what I mean. There's no mistaking that they've tried to take all those little hints and cues to give it that song. Because Time Warp is the standout song from Rocky Horror Picture Show, the song that mate has been released by artists. It gets played at parties. People will, there's bloody people out there who know that song and know the dance set. And I've probably never seen, or will never see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And, um, 
then it goes on to a song called Me of Me, Shock Treatment, which is the one that gets stuck in my head, Carte Blanche, Looking for a Trade, Look What I Did to My Id, Breaking Out, which is, I think, when they're trying to escape from Denton, and Jewel Duet. Because there's a weird sort of sequence in the film where Brad confronts his brother, Farley Flavors. You don't know if it's happening in real time or if Brad's drugged up and it's all in his mind and they start singing at each other. And um, very weird, very bizarre. And Little Black Dress, I do know from what I have read or on the presumption that it's correct, um, was a song that was originally written for Frankenfurter and Rocky Horror Shows His Heels because he wants to go to the party and he wants to put on a little black dress, which makes perfect sense from frank but not for this so i have said all of that kim i'm sorry i've just basically talked and talked and talked but is there anything you want to ask and i can attempt to answer and i say attempt what kitchen appliance are you which kitchen appliance am i <laughs> Yeah. You want to know what kitchen appliance I would be? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just sitting there going out of everything that you've spoken about. The only thing that stuck in my head is the fact that they were singing about being a kitchen appliance. So I have to think to myself, what kitchen appliance would you be? I could be wrong on the exact appliance mention. I'm going to say kettle because you know that I've got a fight. I've got a hot head, a bit of a temper, as you know, when things frustrate me. So there you go. See what I did there? Hot headed temper. Um. I think there is a line in the song, if I recall, that goes, Dear Blender. I mean, this is the level of I see you I see you looking absolutely just I just why why would you talk about I don't understand why there would be a song about what kind of kitchen appliance you are. Like I don't I can't fathom I don't think it I don't <laughs> I don't think it's about what kitchen appliance they are. I think um because what this he goes so the line is bitching in the kitchen and crying in the bedroom all night i think bitching in the kitchen and crying in the bedroom good job this channel isn't monetized because that's probably enough to get, <laughs> get us to oh, who cares <laughs> um yeah and they're just sort of going yeah i don't um, i don't know what more to say to it kim i've i'm sort of we're you know, we're just over half an hour into me talking about it, and I've got nothing else to offer unless you give me some no, questions and I can I give don't... you inaccurate answers. It's definitely a film I don't think I will be watching anytime soon, unless I decide that I, I just... want to massively confuse myself. But can I just say though, you should watch it because I had to watch it, and that is unfair because the next bit you're talking about. I watched again, and you know how much I dislike that. You didn't have so to watch I had it again. To suffer, it was... I didn't. I didn't have to, but it's solidarity for my co-host. Well, I do actually have one question because, as you know, we do like to put slides up here, and I had a quick sneaky peek at one of the slides. But can you explain to me why he has a like type of bulb gag thing in his mouth? 
Oh, right. So that's when Brad has been committed to Dentonville. And you see Richard O'Brien oh. there. He's, I believe he's Dr. Cosmo McKinley. I'm going to double check my notes because I tell you what, I have the worst of memories at the best of times. But yeah, Dr. Cosmo McKinley. And they've tied him up in Dentonville. And I, you know, ah. I don't know if you noticed little, little Nell there in the nurse's outfit. That's Columbia, little Nell in the green outfit. Ah, okay. Yeah. And you see Rick Mel stood okay. next to, yeah. Yeah. And that's Bert Schnicked or, or that's Bert Schnicked or Dame Edna Everidge. <laughs> that's, that's Barry Humphreys, but that's Arlo's name. And that's Brad and Janet there when they're on that TV show. And I don't know if you noticed the padded room around Little Nell there, which seems odd. I do. Well, no, it's, it's not odd, actually. So I say it seems odd. I can actually see Brad sat there now. Now, this whole scene with Little Nell, I swear they just put in there so she could bend over and show her show her rear, you know. Because ah. Little Nell looks good in that outfit. From a male perspective, she looks great. But I'm sure that is the only reason... <laughs> They put that scene in there. I don't know. Were there any other? Were there any other um, slides I put together for um, this? I, I can't recall. Because if there are, um, perhaps you, I can answer things from what I can remember. Yeah, you did actually. I've got one other one which might be able to explain a little bit. This one here. Okay. So you see Ruby Wax in the corner, Betty Hapshat. Yes. Right, so that's Ruby Wax. I actually didn't notice it was Ruby Wax until I read the credits because I know Ruby Wax as the sort of from the nineties. Yeah, from the nineties when she was that sort of thing, and um, that is Janet in the little black dress while they're performing the song "Little Black Dress," and I think, yep, that's Rick Mel, and that might possibly be Little Nell or Nell Campbell, however you want to refer to her there. That's that's all I can give you. That's all I can give you. <laughs> I think I don't think we need to know any more about shock treatment. I, as much as you'd like me to watch it, I feel like one of us going through misery is enough. I don't think I, I feel like that misery should not be put upon me. It is important to say that there are people out there who love this film. I've already said that, but I'll state it again. And just because I had have not enjoyed just because I don't want to sit through it again, or not for a long time, I'm never going to put anyone off watching it, because you know, one man's trash, another man's gold, and all that. Or woman's, however you want it to be. But no, nope, that's, that's about where I'm at. So, Kim, the next part of the podcast, I know we're going to be moving on to the, the remake, the Rocky Horror Picture Show for the high school musical generation, as I like to... That's why I heard it referred to online. Yeah. So let's do the time warp again. That's yeah. how we've like it's how we've decided to put it. So um let's just have if a you quick like look. It. Um okay, I suppose the way that they've described this is a straight-laced square couple seeking shelter from a storm find themselves in the castle of a transgender alien mad scientist intent on creating a buff bodybuilder. So they haven't changed the story whatsoever, really? No. 
not really. I just like the fact that the storyline is just sort of like the. I feel like the. From the original picture show, they don't allude to the fact that they're aliens. You sort of find that out as you're watching the movie that they're clearly not from this planet. I just like the fact that in the time, let's do the time work again. They've not hidden that. They've just said it's an alien. And they just want to buff yeah, the Yeah, see in the. In the previous episode, because there's so much to go over, I didn't go out. I don't think I went too heavily into the fact that Frank and Riff Raff and Magenta are all aliens, but I did mention that they are from the planet Transsexual from the galaxy Transylvania, and I just went on the assumption that people would pick up that they are aliens. But in case anyone didn't, yes, they are aliens. And they are on Earth. Yeah. So my apologies if I didn't cover that enough in the previous episode. But wow. Yeah. There it is. So, There's a thing. I think the main things to pull out from Let's Do the Time Warp again, right? So the plot is the plot of the tribute is fun it's fundamentally identical to the original film with some additional scenes wrapped around. Um, so the difference is you do see sort of the usherette in this film, but it's people going to a cinema to then watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp Again, and there's a lot more um, audience participation. So basically so it feels like you're watching... Yeah, so it's like people who are going and watching show. a sing-along of a movie. Yeah. But I would also mention... Frank Furter, Dr. Frankenfurter is played by Laverne Cox in this film. So, mm-hmm. though not a male, it's in fact a transgender female. <clears throat> so there's quite a big change from that aspect, especially with costumes and things like that. So those are sort of the main um, things to sort of take away from there. But they did have a budget of $20 million on the film. What? Really? Yes, there was a $20 million budget on the film. I wasn't able to locate anything on if it made any profit or anything like that, but I'm not surprised because the premiere was of the film was in October 2016 and it was basically just a, a international market of communications program, so like a film festival, and also um, was then in another... F- was then premiered at another film festival like San Diego Comic-Con and then it sort of went straight to DVD after that. So I wouldn't well, be I surprised say... if we don't. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Sorry to... The intro for the last podcast where you were made up and the the you, you sang and, well, you mimed while Sue Universal Toy Collector sang. That probably had a budget of £12.50 versus their $20 million. And I think that mm-hmm. that whole yeah. intro is better than this remake. Sorry, I'm going to yeah. try and be positive. So, so anyway, Sorry, I cut you off there. I apologise. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. So, but obviously, yeah. So it came out in October 18th, 2016 at film festivals. It then went, premiered on Fox on the 20th of October. And then the first 25 minutes of the film were screened at San Diego Comic-Con at the time it was released by um, Fox. And then obviously it was released on DVD in December the 6th, 2016. So the movie 
did it did draw about 4.95 million viewers at the time however the rating was about 1.7 and it was a sort of six share in a sort of 18 to 49 year old demographic so needless to say i wouldn't say it was the most in demand popular exciting film probably that they'd hoped for it um, got a whopping 4.2 out of 10 on imdb because oh, i don't um, think anyone and... ever asked for this to be made did they this. No. <laughs> no. I, so I said just as we started, this is this is Rocky Horror for the high school musical era, and I believe I read yeah. someone say that in a online, and I could not have agreed more with it. It's it's so actually, the glee of Rocky Horror. Funnily you say that, right? So actually the plans for the remake actually started back in 2002 with a possible airing date of 2003 for the 30th anniversary of the original 1973 musical. So okay. this remake actually had former Broadway producer Gail Berman, but the production failed. Then MTV planned a remake in 2008 with Berman as a producer, but that production failed as well. So it's taken about so the, three attempts to get this film so, made. So you have two failed attempts. I mean, it's not yep. a message there for people. But then, but then when you talk about High School Musical in April, 2015, Kenny Ortega announced that he had plans to remake the film and he's better known as the director for Hocus Pocus, High School Musical Trilogy and Michael Jackson's This Is It. So you say High School Musical when in fact Kenny Ortega was one of those who directed the High School Musical Trilogy. Now in the previous episode we... <laughs> We went over a few things and you said about how Richard O'Brien didn't think this film could be made in today's age. Or, or, or words to that effect. And um, although this is a, a remake, in some parts almost scene for scene the same, mm -hmm. it kind of, to, to me, I've seen this, as I say, they tried to make Rocky Horror a 12 rated or PG 13 as the Americans, our American friends may say, how do you do that? There's your biggest flaw. Forget Laverne Cox. I mean, I thought Laverne Cox, nothing to do with them casting a transgender lady instead of a man as a transvestite. Don't care about that. If, you, if it was a strong performance, I would not have cared. Laverne Cox was terrible. No power in the voice. None at all. I mean, the, but there are some songs in this I've listened to. And I'm like, actually, the music's really good. The music, I can't knock the music, yeah. but Laverne Cox was a terrible choice. Um, well, singing I've got a fact style. about that if you want to hear it. Oh, go for it. Dr. Frankenfurter was not originally Laverne Cox. Originally, okay. they wanted to give Dr. Frankenfurter, they offered that role to Adam Lambert. What? That? Yeah. 
<laughs> I had the exact okay, same reaction. I know, I know, and I'm sure you were going to say, sorry to steal some of your thunder, but Adam Lambert played Eddie in this and did a cracking yes. job because you need a hell of a voice to do Eddie. Yes. But there's a million people yes. who can sing Hot Patootie to a good enough sound. What the? F- so, Adam Lambert was originally offered the role of Dr. Frankenfurter, but was forced to decline because he was touring with Queen. Oh, which damn didn't you, give Queen. him enough time to shoot. I know. It's like, which is which is the lesser evil? Like, have him as Dr. Frankenfurter or have him as the frontman of Queen? You know, it's kind of a difficult I'm one. Not, I'm not saying that would have entirely saved this, but I'm saying this, and I don't care. I've, I rate Adam Lambert highly. Uh, I'm from a family where yeah. you walk in my mum and dad's house and there's a, a shrine to Queen as you walk up the wall of the house. There's pictures, everything. My dad is fanatical, but he doesn't like anything post you know, after Freddie. I, however, love Adam Lambert with Queen. I listened to the live album, the live one they put on Spotify not that long ago. He is fantastic. He is flamboyant. He is everything a Frank could be. And now I hope to God he actually stars as Frank in a stage show to make up for the for this. Cause... Yeah, so... Because he didn't have enough time to shoot all the required scenes for Frankenfurter, he requested a smaller role, which means that's why he became Eddie. But Adam Lambert actually suggested Laverne Cox for the role of Frankenfurter, funnily enough, because he believed it was more appropriate at the time to have an actual transgender actress. Now... Obviously, we can go into this back and forth. There was a little bit of saying that the film was criticised from the transgender community, funnily enough, due to Adam Adam Lambert's comments referring to Frank as a trans woman, as well as the decision to cast Laverne Cox um, as a trans woman in the role, as Frank is referred to as a transvestite, which is a person, usually men, who then wear clothes designed for the opposite sex. Now... The trans community were upset by this because they feel like they've worked really hard to distinguish between the two terms and they feel like the sort of film has like actively backtracked on that. So that I can see it from both sides, but that was something that, that came you've... up that the transgender community wasn't fully supportive of this movie either. Sorry, I wasn't meaning to try and speak over that, but I'm I'm glad that you've brought that up. Because you will know from the story that I told in the last podcast and my connection to Rocky Horror that um, I, I I agree with the trans community on this. They That casting a trans woman to play Frank is not what Frank is. And I believe that it that does more harm mm-hmm. to to it then then good i get where adam lambert was coming from and i get where i can i can sort of see it from both sides but i'm more in the camp of i am right i i heard you right the trans community were more upset that they cast a trans woman as frank rather than a man playing a transvestite because it harms all the work they do so they they basically just weren't happy with the decision because the trans community felt that they'd worked really, really hard to try and distinguish the two terms of being a transvestite versus actually physically being transgender. 
Because really, if you were to look at them, the two meanings are different. And mm -hmm. a man that dresses up in women's clothing, yeah. So for them, they're saying that a man dressing up in women's clothing or a woman dressing up in man's clothing is not necessarily mean that they want to change their gender. Because we can talk about this from like um, singers and a lot of famous people who are androgynous people where they have no problem with their specific gender, but they like to try more edgier, more masculine or more feminine appearance. Like, look at Adam Lambert now. He's very flamboyant. He wears a lot of makeup. He wears a lot of glitter and jewels and all this type of thing. But I, he, he hasn't necessarily wanted to go that other way. Same with sort of like Freddie Mercury, very flamboyant in what he wore. But didn't necessarily want to change his gender. So I do understand where that community is coming from, where they say, yeah, but one doesn't mean the other. And that then maybe pulls away from that person's identity, I suppose, if we if we end up meshing the two meanings. Yeah. Again, to expand on what I was just saying there and the story I told in the last podcast, I have friends. I had friends, still have friends who are transvestites for the term of men dressing as women and i have a couple of transgender friends now my experience doesn't speak for everyone but in my mind that they are that, that it's a different it's a different thing and i that's one of the things which a, a noise too strong of a word but that's one of the things i couldn't get my head around with laverne cox now i did say previous in this not to contradict myself i wouldn't i don't care about the trans thing i could have looked past all of this had the mm -hmm. perform had the performance have been better although just because i can look past them and say i don't care about that doesn't mean i don't have an opinion on it i obviously have an opinion on it yeah but unfortunately Laverne Cox just didn't deliver so it might sound like I'm contradicting myself when I say what I've said but no my views aside different communities views aside if you were damn good and you could have come in and sold that role to me and changed if I would have watched you and gone wow wow oh my god then I could have I can put all that aside. I can I can compartmentalize that and put that aside. But I I don't know what went on with the producers of this to watch the performance of Laverne Cox. And people might say, you're picking on Laverne Cox. I'm not picking on her. I'm not picking on her at all. Great singer, but can't sing those songs particularly well. You know, not every good singer can sing every song brilliantly. That's That's what I'm getting at. I'll stop waffling now. Apologies, Kim. No, so on that, like the film in general received, like the special sort of received mixed to negative reviews, although a lot of people did praise Cox's performance. But actually, most of the critics actually turned around and said that they don't understand why the production was made as a film and they actually thought it would have come over a lot better had they done it as like live, so similar to like what they did with Grease Live. So they're not entirely sure why and it raised a lot of questions as to why um fox decided not to do it live because they felt it would have gone over better as grease live and actually having watched the film yes probably i agree had they done it like a little bit similar to grease live i i do think it probably would have come over a lot better so i'm not entirely sure why they decided to sort of go down the route they they went down however 
despite the fact it had negative views and stuff, it was nominated for a Glad Media Award for Outstanding TV Movie and Limited Series. Mm-hmm. They did lose to Eyewitness, however. So, oh, so they didn't win that. No, they um they lost to Eyewitness in 2017. So, despite the fact that it has has had quite a lot of negative following. There are still people that absolutely love the movie, but it was majority of it is towards the negative. It still was nominated um, for I mean, an award. So I would say the singing is better parts in, it. in it, though. Yeah, there are there are very good parts in it. Um, the f- I mean, maybe I'm just biased to the fact that you know the love I've got for. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's, I, it's a bit. It, it's an important part of my life, and maybe I'm being biased. But Tim Curry. Now you can't say Tim Curry cannot be replaced because the stage show, as we said in the last episode, confirms that other people can play Frank. And Laverne yeah. Cox, from what I recall, did try and play Frank differently, which you have to do. We said this in the last show. You cannot if you go out there and you try and be Tim Curry, you're already dead on your ass. You that's pointless. But I just for all the good stuff in it, I'm gonna stop going on about Laverne Cox. Maybe it's a, a preferencing. I just don't like her singing style, perhaps whatever but there's other things that annoyed me in in it like why they try and sanitize i don't understand because perhaps perhaps in tv production there's a certain amount of stuff they can show i don't know i'm I'm just a bit confused by it or I'll, I'll be totally honest with you but no some of the music is is fantastic i'm not going to knock that and the actual filming and production of what I did, the filming, the, the cameras, all looks good. It's filmed well. I'm not going to knock any of that. I would say they have kind of taken some liberties in it. So even the sort of um, the Transylvanians and things like that who are in it, we all know them as having sunglasses and funny hats and all wearing tuxedos. There's none of that in this film. Um, I have, I don't like to use the term woke, but I do feel that they've tried to go that way because they're not really, they're not in any type of particular clothing. And for me, I'm like, you could have still kept that side of it for people to recognize Transylvanians as well. So they're all just sort of in normal clothes, sparkly clothes and, and things like that. And of course, they're all in platform heels and and all that type of thing. There's some continuity issues that I don't like either, um, as much as you might hate me for this, but Eddie, who is played by Adam, Adam Lambert, when you watch the film, mm-hmm. he has no scar on his head in the film. But that, to, to me, um, I did pick up on that, and if you're... It, that's wrong. That's... They should... He... That's part of the, the removing of half the brain. What, 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 where else did they extract it from? You know, where, where did they go in to get it from? Yeah, they're saying like it's a tribute and it's a remake, but you've taken fundamental bits out. So like, they've made a bodybuilder type, but you've taken out half of Eddie's brain. So where's the scarring from that and and that type of thing? And 
you know it kind of just took it took away from the film a little bit for me as well because i was like you've he's meant to have a bloody scar across his head and and things like that and it's just i think the other thing for for me as well is just in general how they've actually made half these people look now we talked about obviously reality tv from shock treatment now when i was actually looking up the characters for time warp again when you actually google them there's so many images and they look like they're going into the big brother house like the posed images that they've made to allow them like to advertise the film and i'm like these are this is not how you should be advertising this film I didn't like the look of Riff Raff in this film at all. Uh, Columbia. Very bad wig. Columbia. I'm not too worried about how they changed Columbia. Because actually, if you see the stage show, Magenta is often not portrayed to be the maid that she is in the film. There's there's always going to be differences in productions. But the Riff Raff character character didn't sit right with me the guy who played brad yeah all right janet all right magenta okay uh i feel like i'm being negative i'm not meaning to sound negative for the sake of being negative but i think the point you've made is yeah look at that you're right big brother it literally does look like they are sat in the diary room doesn't it yeah so this is why i'm like i don't know if it's just because the film is modern and i maybe just can't get over the fact that the film is modern but i'm just like did we have to advertise it this way like could we not have advertised it in a different way um they sort of just look like they're sitting in a reality room or something like that it's like even in some of the other scenes it's like being at a high school disco and not in an actual castle like i don't feel like they're in a castle in the film in any shape or form i feel like they're in some sort of high school building that they've just created scenes out of which then begs the question, why did they not make it a live, like a live action performance like Grace Live and stuff? It would have sort of sat a little bit better for me. And yeah, I feel... I completely agree. The way they've advertised this, it's just, it's too... It feels too reality TV-ish was, is how they've done it. It also really upsets me that because of modesty and things like that, Rocky is in a pair of basically gold shorts, like boxer shorts, like full-length basketball shorts. Oh, yeah. Instead I mean, of wearing the point, the I was... teeny, tiny, tight shorts that he's known for wearing. Well, that's the point I was on about a few minutes ago. But then they do the floor show and they're in teeny, tiny pants. I get. I mean, if you watch the original Rocky Horror Picture Show, when Columbia is on the stage with the the corset or whatever you call it, you can literally see her boobs coming out of it, nipple the lot. I get that they were not going to do that. I understand Mm -hmm. that because it's made for TV. I I understand stuff like that, but why are you trying to hide a man's groin in pants? If a man's in pants, you're going to see bumpy bits. That's what happens. No one's going to... Well, so... we talk about bodybuilders, right? So if you've ever watched a bodybuilding com- like competition, when are they ever in long shorts? 
Never. But no, they're always in they're very in very little clothing in order to show off their sculptured and muscular bodies. That's the whole point of being a bodybuilder and the whole point of having that competition. So I'm not really sure why they decided to go down that route. And in the nicest way possible, it's honestly it's it's nothing against Stasnier who played Rocky in this. It's he had horrendous highlights, to be fair. It's one of those um that highlights where you stick a hat over, pull the hair out, make his highlight. Those highlights were god awful in this in this movie. But also, I expected him to be a lot more muscular than what he was for Rocky. So, are we saying this... he doesn't get the Charles Atlas seal of approval? No, because for me, <laughs> they they even say in the storyline that it's a mad scientist that creates a buff bodybuilder like monster, and I'm like. He doesn't look anything like a bodybuilder. He just looks like a really toned, in-shape guy. This is why I said in the last episode, as good as Duncan James, whatever he's called from Blue, was as Frank in the stage show, and he was brilliant, the guy who played Rocky in all the stage shows is always really buff, you know, looks great. But this is, you know, when Frank when Frank is bigger and more muscular than rocky that doesn't work and equally to this like rocky needs to be he needs to be body beautiful he needs to be the perfect specimen he has to be the perfect specimen because he is a creation and he's a create because if frank could frank could have gone out and got uh, a less than perfect man even to the point in rocky horror picture show the original one Frank says something along the lines when referring to Eddie. He had a sort of naive charm, but no muscle. Frank is mad on muscle. That's the point of create it, yeah. creating Rocky. That's the whole bloody point of it. He exactly. is literally seduced and in love with the muscle man. So I'm not I'm not body shaming the guy from this because he's in great shape. You can be in great shape and not be ripped. You can you can be in great shape and have a dad bod. You can be in great shape and not be ripped. You can be in great shape and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It doesn't matter. There's no. It's not a body shame issue, but the character required a bigger, more hench guy. Yeah, and it's just um, for me. It was just obviously because I have a makeup and a TV and film background and stuff. It's little things like that for me. It's all about continuity. Like I thought, Riff Raff had horrendous hair. Um, I don't think Sturzner was buff enough for the movie. The fact that Eddie didn't have a scar on his head and things like that. So for me, it's about having continuity within a film as well. And I just felt like it there wasn't there just wasn't that continuity. I also hated the fact that Dr. Frankenfurter had red hair. He's never had red hair, or in this case, like she never had red hair that was that was just not a thing it was it was dark haired and i'm like you've totally removed the continuity i hated the fact i mean hated to the point i can remember the first time i watched this on tv with carla and bear in mind well established me and my missus are mad on rocky horror right why the hell would you send frank down in red at the start that is the floor show. That is Rose Tint My World. That is I'm Going Home. That's yeah. that's 
that's when Frank is in red. You don't send Frank that. I remember being literally furious about this the first time I watched it. I was like, what the hell? From from the black outfit to the red. What Frank yeah. is wearing there is essentially the floor show outfit. And you can go, well, it's no. a refilming, we do it different. But I would have preferred Frank to come down in gold and and then change to red. I still think gold would have been wrong. Well, funnily enough, though, although the floor show Frank was in gold and the rest of the cast were in gold, the initial appearance, so the outfit for the initial appearance was actually an homage to one of the most memorable scenes from The Adventures of Priscilla, so Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, when Adam slash Felicia lip-synced um, atop of a bus clad, so basically in an oversized silver cape and a headpiece. Why they decided to play homage to a different film in a cult classic? You would have been better off paying homage to Faye Ray or someone like that, an out like a little silk outfit, or picking one of uh, an actress from one of the films referenced in science fiction double feature and mm -hmm. paying homage to them. That would make more sense because the original film pays homage to all these sort of 50s and all these old horror B-movies, even older than the 50s. Yeah. That's what it, it's all about. So why are you paying homage to that film? It certainly didn't come out before Rocky Horror, and I would argue that things like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, would not exist or would not have had the acceptance it has today. There's just a lot of inconsistencies with the film. I definitely wouldn't say it's a remake. Um, I would probably say it's more towards a tribute because they've taken a lot of liberties with a lot of stuff. Um, I did actually find out that at the time of filming, they there was actually an unreleased virtual reality experience that was in development of the, at the time. So like a wow. 360 video camera rig could be seen like behind the scenes. Um. It was released sort of by Fox um, during the marketing promotion. However, the project completely stopped and the reasons are unknown why that never sort of came to fruition. So there's a lot of odd bits and pieces that obviously went on with this film. It obviously took three makes, like three tries before it actually got made, which I feel is kind of a way of saying it shouldn't have got made. However, however, the one good part about the movie is in fact that it was Tim Curry's first live action role since What About Dick in 2012 following his stroke in 2012 as well so he actually comes in which is kind of nice to see him part of it at the same time it's the one sort of saving grace that I feel I have but he comes in as the narrator and I actually think he does quite a good job as the narrator in this, do a great in this job. movie he did do a great job and <clears throat> Tim Curry bless him is the stroke he had in 2012 has he's still working he's still, still doing voice acting stuff i believe he's 77 now but before we wrap this up kim because we are getting on a bit in time mm -hmm. now on this one would you mind if i went into because i said rocky horror for the high school musical age rocky horror for the glee generation which yes. leads me into the fact that there was a special episode of Glee dedicated to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I don't hate, but I don't love. I think everything they did in that was better 
than what they did in let's do the time warp again even down to the chap playing rocky with a i appreciate they're not little tighty pants but for tv i can accept that there's going to be differences that looks more the part now the episode of Glee they did was called The Rocky Horror Glee Show. It's episode five of season two of Glee, and it is on Disney Plus at the moment because that's where I watched it. It does open, the episode does open with the red lips of one of the Glee Club members, Santana Lopez, played by Nea Rivera, who I believe has passed away now in a tragic accident. It's against the black background. It doesn't look... It looks okay. It's a nice homage to it. it. You can tell that they've used like a green screen effect and the that rather than the old fashioned method that they used for the film. But I'm just being picky now. It's probably important to say that Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror creator or Richard O'Brien. Sorry, I was reading off my notes there. He was actually disappointed by the episode. He didn't like the fact that they diluted the themes of the musical, and he was puzzled that the word transsexual was censored and this puzzled me when i watched it because rather than transsexual in it they say sensational so i'm just a sweet transvestite from sensational transylvania you so you, you're happy with saying transvestite which but you're not happy with saying transsexual i appreciate we've already gone over the different things but can you see is there a bit of a hypocrisy there is there is that a bit weird do you see that as weird as i see that because richard o'brien even commented on it well, yeah, I don't... What difference is transvestite to transsexual? They both just have different meanings, so I'm, I'm not really sure why transvestite is PG, but transsexual is not. Is it just because it's mm. sexual? I don't know. May, maybe. Uh, apparently, the show had really good viewing figures, but critics didn't like it. But the, the only critics you should ever listen to, in my view, are the audience, not those who sit and write reviews, but true that's just my thing barry boswick and meatloaf were both in it they played tv station managers but they almost came across as they look like fbi agents now but just to remind people barry boswick played brad in the rocky horror picture show meatloaf played eddie um the basic story is will schuster's got a love interest a teacher i think she's called emma sorry if i get the names wrong here um she goes off to watch the rocky horror show or rocky horror picture show one variation of with her new boyfriend and she gets all dressed up and she loves it and will is obviously the guy who runs the, the teacher who runs the glee club and he decides to try and woo her that the glee club will put on a production of the rocky horror picture show which causes controversy because of the subject of it which i can see for a high school musical that Maybe it would with some of the themes, but they decide they can do it without. But they can they can move things down. They they you know they can censor things and they can make it appropriate for school. Uh, Sue Sylvester, who plays the PE coach, who is the only good part of Glee. We watched it all originally when it was on TV because Carla loved it. Watching it back, it hasn't aged as well as I thought. But the woman who plays Sue Sylvester, she's hilarious. She um. She's not fond on it, but then she gets spoken into going along with it by the TV station people, Meatloaf and Bostwick, because they want to do an expose on the Glee Club. The character Mike Chang 
is cast as Frank. But, and I'm going to read this as a the quote. Mike Chang is cast as Frank, but his parents are not happy with him playing in brackets. And he says this on the show, a tranny. Now, this caused a lot of upset. People were pissed about this, that he said that they referred to it as tranny. They saw it as derogatory and mm -hmm. make of that what you will. It's not for me to decide. So they actually cut the character Mercedes. She decides that after hearing the lyrics, don't dream it, be it. She actually wants to be Frankenfurter. So they cast a woman as Frankenfurter. So Mercedes is played by Amber Riley, who is a really amazing singer. And what I would say, without going into casting a woman as Frank and everything and going on that damn that long story and path and how we feel of it, although I'm not sure why they did that, and I don't know if they did that just to appease people. I don't know if it was a... I know you don't like saying the term woke. I don't know if it was done for woke reasons. I don't know if it was done because it genuinely benefited the story. I don't know. Amber Riley, although very different, because she is such an incredible singer, it look, it's never going to stand up to sweet transvestite that we know and love, but she actually does do a good job of it. So this is my point I would make about Laverne Cox. The performance, although not my favourite, the performance, she because she gives it so much, I'm I I didn't sit there like you know when you like cringe and you feel like secondhand cringe yeah. for people, secondhand embarrassment. Didn't have any of that with Amber Riley. I thought, well, you know what, they've gone here, they've cast a lady as Frank. This is where they've gone. Do I agree with it? not really because it takes away from the story in my view but they've done it but she did a great job so everything i said previous this is my point if you do a fantastic job yeah. i can look past other misgivings um yeah so she says she's uh, inspired by the lyrics from rose tint my world carl emma the teacher that will is trying to you know, he's trying to get in her pants, to put it crudely. Uh, he's trying to impress her. Cole, her boyfriend, joins the production as Eddie. Will's jealous of this. There's a lot of controversy that goes on. And eventually they decide that they're not going to do the production because it's just going to cause too much stink with the parents, with everyone. But Will feels it's unfair for the work the kids have put in. So they'll do their own private performance of it just for them yeah that's the gist of it yeah so as you can see there there's barry bostwick there's meatloaf as the tv station people i can't remember the name of the actor who plays riff raff in it but look at that guy there he looks great as riff raff all the costumes in the glee episode were fantastic i get they had to make frank uh, not frank they had to make rocky's pants a bit bigger for tv i get that they all looked great. They sang it. Every song, apart from, like, in Tutter Touch Me, or Tutter Tutter Touch Me, we just call it Touch Me for the sake of this, Emma and Will are doing that. There's, like, a scene, they're not for the show, but they end up singing it like they do in Glee, incidentally. And rather than the line, I see no point in get, uh, about getting into heavy petting, she says, I saw no point in getting into heavy sweating. 
which I think goes back to what Richard O'Brien said. Heavy petting, heavy sweating. What's the bloody difference? What are you, what are you going for? But even heavy petting is terminology that was used quite early on in the nineties and stuff. It was just, it was trying to say it in a polite way. It wasn't really referring to anything. So I'm not really sure why they've decided to. Sweating is kind it. of worse than petting, really. Yeah. The second you say sweating, I think of people, I don't know, point in getting into heavy sweating. That sounds like I see no point in getting into bumping uglies with you. Petting is almost like that, that teenage, oh, oh, I've copped a feel sort of thing. The flirting and that's, the making out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's for me. Sorry to have used the term bump uglies. I don't know where that came from. It, does make, <laughs> it makes me laugh, though. It's a polite way of saying it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think so. I think I don't think it was a great episode, but I think it was a great effort, and I think they did better than the remake of Rocky Horror, which is why I wanted to include this. So yeah, and I think that's about where I am with everything. Now I know in the previous podcast we did not agree, but I think maybe when we're wrapping this part two up, can we maybe agree that? The original screen, like screenplay, the original stage show and film should have just been left alone. We now, I almost didn't ask a question at the end of the last one through fear we would agree and we didn't agree. So we're back on track. We're going off track again because I'm going to completely agree with you on that. And I'm going to add, if you want to mess around with Rocky Horror, if you want to cast different people, if you want to experiment, buy the licensing rights, put on your own stage production and do it because you have that right. But the second you commit it to celluloid, the second you put it in film, it becomes forever and you advertise it. Now, some people say I'm being a gatekeeper or, I, or I'm just not happy with change. Just leave it alone at this point. Leave it alone. Because you can't remake it without copying what it is. And to copy it, you have to, you have to censor it down. And if you're going to censor it, it's not the magic of what it was. In this day and age, to remake Rocky Horror, I, I now completely agree with Richard O'Brien. It's pointless. Leave it alone. Enjoy the stage show if you want to see a modern thing on it take the film for what it is because i promise you now every remake for as many people who might listen to this go actually i think you're wrong i loved the tv show let's do the time that's your right and if you did that's brilliant i don't knock you for it you're not wrong for enjoying something i didn't enjoy this is just my opinion and my opinion is i would rather they leave well alone however if someone does come along and remake it at some point and does a bloody good job i may well change my opinion Anything else to add, Kim? Now I've had my little rant. I've <laughs> climbed off my soapbox. No, I think your soapbox said it all, to be fair. So do you, do you agree with everything I've just said there as well? Yeah, I do agree with, I think, they could have remade it and remade it really well. I think it's just a bit unfortunate that the shock treatment and the let's do the time warp again, just, they were trying to make it something that it wasn't while also trying to keep to the original story and it was just never going to work that way so i think it's one of these things do you know what it's a cult classic it's a favorite from the 70s just let it live in the 70s and just enjoy it for the time that it was made in and what it's about 
don't look too deep into it either. Because a few things we discussed no. in the last episode, don't look too deep into it. And a little bit of um, little bit of end of show chat now, because I think we've reached the end. Please do go back and check out the first episode if you haven't. I would like to think if you're watching, you've watched the first one in order. But I don't think it would matter too much if you watched them out of sync, because we're talking different things. But if you haven't, if you're listening on Spotify, obviously we reference slides and different things in this. That's because this is primarily a show on YouTube. So if you want to see the slides, if you want to see our purdy little faces, feel free to log on to the channel Action Pop Dad on YouTube and have a watch. There's a playlist for the podcasts. I'm Nick, Action Pop Dad. I can be found on Instagram, X or Twitter, whatever they want to call it. And obviously on YouTube. Tim, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all the hard work you've put in. I ask you every time, and you're always reluctant to give it, but if the good people would like to give you a follow, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram under Kim Gonick. Um, feel free to follow me. I can't say I'm the most interesting person on social media, but if you fancy it anyway, go for your life. Yep. And with all that, I just want to say thank you to everyone if you stuck with us for both shows. As I said in the previous episode, if we've missed anything, we don't claim this is not a fact show. This is not a produced show. We watch films, we watch TV shows, we make a few notes, we get on here and we have a chat. And every single time we do one of this, we probably have 10 pages of notes and we barely cover three or four paragraphs because that's just the way a conversation goes. But I hope you've all enjoyed it. And feel free to check out previous episodes on the YouTube channel or on Spotify. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you again, Kim, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Action Popcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow us on Spotify. Also, why not check out Action Pop Dad on YouTube and give us a follow. And don't forget to hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on other pop culture related projects. Catch you on the next one.